It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What is going on, Reds fans? Welcome in. To the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this Monday. Got some baseball and some Reds baseball talk on tap for you today. We're going to talk about Nick Castellanos. There have been a glut of rumors saying that the Reds are the favorites now to land the outfielders' services from the free agent market. We're going to dive into that. Also got some Today in Reds Awesomeness with Cam Miller coming at you in the second half of the podcast. But before we get to all of that, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, the Himalaya podcasting app, whatever you use. If you haven't clicked that subscribe button, do me a favor and do it right now. You'll get each and every podcast each and every day. You won't miss an episode best way to do that. Also, save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. We do texts, we do voicemails, all of that great stuff on the Locked On Reds line. So hit that up. Also, hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs or at Locked On Reds for even more discussion. I know I'm on there for all things Reds baseball. Also, talk about some other different stuff, whether it be other sports, other movies, food, beer, whatever it is. I talk about a lot of stuff on Twitter. So let's jump in to some news. News team assemble! We got a couple of items today. Two, two things really to look at. The baseball, Major League Baseball pipeline, MLB pipeline came out with its top 100 prospects for 2020. And the Reds landed two. Yeah, just two. You know, really weird that they only landed two, but the Reds landed two prospects on MLB Pipeline's top 100. And oddly enough, the highest rated one was Nick Lodolo. Nick Lodolo came in at 48th, and Hunter Green came in at 53rd. No Jose Garcia, no Tyler Stevenson, no. Just those two. Now, Baseball Prospectus will be coming out with their rankings today, and then that will kind of complete ranking season, as our friend Doug Gray likes to call. And speaking of Doug Gray, we're actually going to break down the rankings here later on this week. He's going to be on the podcast with me. We're going to talk all things rankings, how he feels about them, how his rankings stack up, and where he sees everything falling in 2020. And the interesting thing is, part of those rankings, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they change moving forward. I mean, not necessarily with these two specific players, but to see if the Reds can get more people in the top 100, which leads us to our other headline, was an article 
on MLB.com talking about Kyle Bodie ramping up his pitching program for the Reds farm system as a whole. If you missed the news this past offseason that Kyle Bodie was brought in, the founder of Driveline Baseball and the guy that's caused all this buzz that happened in a couple of different books called The Arm and then The MVP Machine, talking about how he develops pitching with using you know advanced metrics and science and computers and all this different stuff. And, and the, the results that have come from him are self-explanatory. But he is getting his program revved up. We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, more this week as well. See who it benefits, what it might look like. Probably will be something that I ask Craig Calcaterra on Wednesday. He will be on the podcast with me on Wednesday. If you're not familiar, Craig Calcaterra is an MLB writer for NBCSports.com. He'll be on the show on Wednesday. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more as well. But today's focus topic has to do with the big rumor. I swear to God, I'm smart. Nick Castellanos, or Nicholas Castellanos. I think he prefers to go by Nicholas based on all of the different tweets and people writing about him and things of that nature that I've seen. But Nicholas Castellanos has been reported that the Reds are the favorites to sign him. And when I mean favorites, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not I'm not saying, well, you know, just reading the tea leaves and between the lines, and it, and it really looks like the Reds are, you know, in, in the runnings to get him, and they're one of the top teams. No. This is from John Morosi, and this is word for word. I'll read the tweet that he said. Source, Reds now the clear frontrunner to sign Nicholas Castellanos. And there are signs that talks have progressed in recent days. That's the tweet that he sent out, and he had an article at MLB.com talking more about this. Now, this would be really awesome. We, we've talked before about how good he is with the bat. He is a very phenomenal hitter, great with the extra base stuff. He's a good slugging type guy. He would slot very well, and, and I've seen some folks creating hypothetical lineups in which they would slot Castellanos in the third or in the second spot or something like that, which that'd be very interesting. It would create sort of a dynamic of where who bats where. Does Castellanos bat fifth and Joey bat second? Does Castellanos bat second and Joey bat fifth? I mean, we're getting well ahead of ourselves when we're talking about scenarios that happen to the team with Castellanos on it. But the fact that the Reds have emerged as a favorite, and and it's ironic because, like I mentioned, the uh, Lockdown Reds line, great way to reach me asking questions and things of that nature. But I got a a text. Uh, from a fan, uh, from from Jake in Cincinnati, he said, "I saw on Twitter that Ryan Castellanos, Nick Castellanos' brother, has been liking tweets about Nick coming to the Reds. Does that hint at anything?" And it's funny because you know you think about that sort of thing, you're like, "Well, <laughs> what would that hint? What what would that mean?" Then I look at it, and if you go on Ryan Castellanos' profile on Twitter, when you look at his likes, he has liked several tweets linking Nicholas Castellanos to the Reds. Now that is interesting. And I think that there's something there because he also liked a tweet. This is ironic as well. He liked a tweet talking about the fact that Nicholas Castellanos' mom liked a tweet talking about Nicholas Castellanos coming to the Reds. Now that's connecting a lot of dots. There's a lot of dots that I just, I don't even know. I mean, if they all connect, but in my mind, the dots are connecting. I think 
he's going to be a Red. I think so. Now, it's interesting because if, if you've seen recent articles from our friend C. Trent at The Athletic and different things like that, he said that the next big uh, acquisition will probably be a trade. It probably won't be a free agent. And now all of a sudden we've got all these reports. One thing is for certain. Dick Williams and Nick Crawl have been all in this offseason, and I love it. And actually, that's a great plug for Dave Pemberton's article at LockedOnReds.com. Go check that out. He kind of outlines why he believes that it's obvious and it's no longer debatable that the Reds are all in. Now, we can debate what the successes will be of this all-in mentality, but at the end of the day, we're not looking at this and saying, well, they kind of got some guys. They kind of tried to go out and make the team better. No, they have done everything that they possibly can. And sure, they didn't get some guys. That happens. I mean, guys just choose other teams. They just wanted to go somewhere else. I mean, you can't force them to come to Cincinnati, but you can make a compelling offer. And from all indications, everyone that's gone somewhere else has gotten a compelling offer from the Reds and have decided to turn it down to go somewhere else. I mean, I don't know if you saw the reports that the Reds offered a multi-year deal to Marcelo Zuna before he turned that down for a one-year deal in Atlanta. Players make their own choices. We, we don't have to understand why. That's just how it goes. Anyway, coming back, we've got Today in Reds Awesomeness with Cam Miller. We're going to be looking at everybody's favorite Reds team, probably for my money, and I think for most of your all's money too, if you're listening to this podcast, the best team ever to play baseball the big red machine of 1975 and 1976 we're going to talk about them dive in depth here with cam miller on today in red's awesomeness but first spring training is almost here which means cactus league action is forthcoming and if you're planning to get out to arizona to watch the reds and any and all other cactus league teams the best way to get out there is visit arizona.com slash spring training. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans because you've got 10 stadiums with 15 major league teams all within a 50-mile radius of greater Phoenix. So you can get to everything. And on top of that, you've got awesome landscapes. I mean, Arizona's known for its outdoor adventures and national parks, lots of great places to explore. But when it comes to the game, I mean, spring training, everyone is so laid back. You can meet your favorite players, get some autographs, and then enjoy some baseball in some nice warm weather. If you're like me and you live in the tri-state area right now, you're freezing your bunions off, head out to Arizona, warm up, and watch some Reds baseball. Best way to do that, visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Go there and book your spring training excursion today. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that the Locked On Reds podcast is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Reds fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, but a Locked On 
podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Reds fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Real quick, before we jump into Red's awesomeness, there there are some moments, there are some players, there are some personalities that transcend sport. They don't necessarily have to be. And I know this is a, a Red's podcast. We talk baseball. We talk Red's baseball, even more importantly than that. But real quick, I wanted to uh, just send my condolences to the family of uh, Kobe Bryant. I know... Um, I'm some little guy that does a Reds podcast, but just seeing everything that went down yesterday, uh, condolences to his family, to Laker Nation, all the fans out there that are hurting from the news, and just a big picture thing that we can take away from this is like, life is precious, man. We're not, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So just do something nice for somebody today. Be, fix whatever it is going on with you and your loved ones. Life's too short to hold grudges. Just that's that's what I got from out of that. and you know I, I it was a tough news day for that and just felt like I had to say something there and get that off my chest it's something I was thinking of so I just wanted to say that and you know what I it's it's kind of goofy to pivot into something from something that deep into you know, fun and Reds and all this other stuff but today being Monday let's do some Reds awesomeness in a world where baseball is more than just a game. Where conies are the preferred mode of nourishment, there stands a team. And that team is so awesome, it requires two fans to encapsulate its awesomeness. It is time for today in Cincinnati Reds Awesomeness. All right, so we've we've talked about the nineteen nineteen Reds. We've talked about the nineteen forty Reds. Now we enter the two team two years in a row stretch that most Reds fans could about recite every player on the team's numbers from heart and that is of course the big red machine when it comes to those two years for you Cam what is the first thing that you think of I have a date that I always go to this is a date that I all, when people want to talk about the big red machine and they want to talk, and there's so much to talk about, such an unbelievable history that made this city what it is. I mean, let's just, let's call it what it is. If it wasn't for the big red machine in the seventies, we would have been the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the almost. So they put us on the map in baseball, they opened up doors. And I would even say that it would make this 
the new Japanese connection that we now have with Shogo. I mean, if it wasn't for the Big Red Machine, the, the 78 team goes to tour, and they kind of – that was the favorite team in Japan was the Cincinnati Reds. So they already had a, a little bit of knowledge, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the reasons why Shogo here knew the Big Red Machine was. He knows a little bit of the history. They, they appreciate their history over there. So the Big Red Machine, the date that I go to is May 21st. 1975 is the day for me when base, modern baseball in Cincinnati started. And the reason that is, is because the Reds were a 500 team, basically, up until May 21st, 1975. And the next 50 games, the Reds won 41 of them. 41 out of the next 50 games, the Reds won. And they never looked back from 75. They never looked back in 76. Man. 77 was a great year. 79, of course, they played the Pirates in the playoffs. That started off that, that run. Just It was time to I, – and I really believe that it was Sparky and, and, and Pete, you know, do, making the moves that they made, you know, moving to third base. Um, of course, that's what you, you see when you visually. But when you look at the stats and you say, what, what was the – how did they become the big red machine? Was it 70? No, that was a good team. 72, oh, a great team. 73 against the Mets, ah, great team. But it was, again, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Almost could have, would have, maybe. They just couldn't get over that hump. But in May, on May 21st, after that date, they went 41, 41 wins out of 50. And that's phenomenal. And it, again, changed the landscape because now they had confidence. You had the superstars. And away they went. The Big Red Machine started chugging along. Looking at that day, that was there was a home game against the Mets, and not just any Met, but Tom Seaver was on the mound that day. Right. The Reds scored right. eleven runs in that game. <laughs> oh my! Amazing. And that, the, that if there was ever a machine moment, it was that. You know, it's just I always go to that date. It always struck me when I was reading through the stats of of that. You know. Boom! That that went off because again they started off with they win their they win their first three games they lose two they win one they lose four they win three they lose two they're you're hovering around five hundred so it's like you and you can almost sense can you imagine Twitter can you imagine Twitter in 1975 in May they would have lost their minds here we go again another terrible team what's Sparky doing he can't win the big one why we still keep him around unbelievable and then before you know it you blink an eye the summer's coming and it's just the machine kicks off they start it up and it never and they just roll over everybody but yeah 11 runs in that game against the man Tom Seaver what's that tell you I mean it was showtime and that's what really happened that was the game for me the moment that changed modern Cincinnati baseball history 41 out of it. That's a that is a heck of a run. When you look back, crazy. Oh man, when 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 you look back on those teams, who was your favorite player? I I, I man, it's a lot to choose from. Um, it's like choosing your favorite it's Avenger. So tough, <laughs> right? Like, how do you do it? I always go to the player that um, before I'll, I'll talk about. When, I, when we talk about the team later in another segment, I'll, I'll, I'll name my favorite Red of all time. You're going to be stunned by that, so a little tease for that. But Pete Rose, for me, epitomized everything about the Big Red Machine. I, and I know there's going to be a million people that are going to you know, say what he did and what he, he did off the field and, and his transgressions. I understand that beautifully. Believe me, I wrote a thesis on Pete Rose. Okay, the great writer and good friend John O'Rourke 
proofread, proofread my thesis on Pete Rose nice. and marked it up in red because I was being too biased. So of course I was. He <laughs> was a god. He, he was the big red machine. If not for him, because he was from Cincinnati. If Pete Rose was from Sacramento, California, nobody would have cared. Right. He was from Cincinnati. He was as blue collar, just like the city was. In the 70s, you thought machine, and you thought machine tool, and you thought industrial, and you thought about the big red machine, and who's at the top? Pete Rose. For me, it's it got to be him. He he just, I mean, so many great players, Morgan Perez, you know, Concepcion, all guys I've had the pleasure to get to talk to and hear some of their stories. And to a, to a guy, they'll tell you it was Pete. Pete was the leader. I mean, Pete made this thing go. Sparky was the manager. He did what he had to do as a manager, but Pete made that team go. He was an example. You did not want to be shown up by Pete Rose. If he's hustling, you're hustling. So I I have to default to him, Mr. Peter Edward, Cincinnati kid. In the years of 75 and 76, he had 425 hits in those two years. Just phenomenal years for him. Against some unbelievable pitching. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't uh, facing Triple A teams in September. You know, <laughs> like I, I hate to bash the Miami Marlins again, but I'm going to do it. He wasn't he wasn't facing the Marlins. He was facing some unbelievable Hall of Fame pitchers. So it's like not like nothing you would see today. I mean, every, now today you'll see two or three maybe Hall of Famers. Pete's facing seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, in that era. So. Uh, it, just a different ball game, absolutely. And I always think, like, I mean, it just makes me think of when I compare the Reds pitching staff that they have now to the one they had even just two years ago, and they had guys like Asher Wojciechowski getting, like, multiple starts. You didn't see that kind of talent <laughs> on the mound against you back then. It was actual legitimate guys, you know, not not quadruple-A pitchers. Absolutely true. Yeah, you're so right. And there's something about that. And I was having a discussion, uh, not to get off topic, but no, no. something about the youth the youth movement that we've seen in all sports, across all sports, NFL, NBA. It's, it's a young kid's game now. Gone are the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's and the Tony Eason's and the old men that played that led the teams. And then if you were lucky enough to come on, you had to pay your dues. Now everybody comes in when they're 19, 20, 21. And they're instantly the stars. No offense to the Trouts and the Harpers of the world. They're awesome players. I, I love watching them play, but they didn't pay their dues. And there's something to be said about that. You had, those teams, the Big Red Machine, they're all in their 30s, late 20s, 30s, going into their mid-30s. I mean, baseball was such a different game than sports in general. But baseball, where you had to have these guys that were elder statesmen, if you will, that kind of, I've been there, I've done that, I know how to lead this team. And I think that's what's missing in baseball today, and I think that's part of the problem. Why, like what you were saying, like these pitchers' names that you'll never hear again because the product has been watered down by the next big thing. It's all about prospects and who's going to you know, be the, the next young gun coming up and instead of saying let's let players develop, let's let these pitchers become great elder statesmen. And I think eventually we'll get back to that, I, at least I hope so. But it, it, it's definitely a young man's game now. And I think that the game as a spectator sport suffers when you're watching 19 – you're watching AAA pitchers struggle in the major right. league mound. And that's not fun for anybody. No, and I agree with you. And actually talking about the mound does kind of segue us nicely into talking about 
the pitching staff because we always hear about Pete. We hear about Johnny Bench. We hear about Joe Morgan, the lineup, the everyday eight, the great eight. What about this pitching staff? Because in order to win games, you also have to keep the other team from scoring 12 runs too. Right. Against some great offense. And of course, don't forget, they're playing a lot of teams in AstroTurf. I mean, AstroTurf was right. the, you know, the norm in the 70s. So you're playing, it's a, a different game for pitchers too. People want to talk about hitting and how you know, the offense was, like you said, and all base running defense is different. I mean, Concepcion invented the one hop, two hop throw to first base because of AstroTurf. So the fields had a lot to do with that. And, and when you're a pitcher, that's hard too. I mean, you're Balls that you w- would normally be ground routine ground outs, they're going 120 miles an hour off the turf. Can you imagine if they had the stats and the metrics that they have now right. based upon AstroTurf, how fast this ball is? And the trajectory would be like, was that a Scud missile that just went in the outfield? I don't know. <laughs> it was crazy. So such a different different time back then. So, hey, you're right. I mean, Nolan, Norman, Darcy, McKinney, Eastwick, Billingham, uh, Gullet, the late great Pedro Borbone, Clay Carroll, just – Guys that if they were if they pitched for a team that wasn't as offensive heavy as the Reds, I mean, they they'd be up there with one of the best rotations of all time. Great, great pitchers that never really get their due. I mean, because again, of course, the big red machine. It wasn't called the big red pitching machine. It was called the big red machine. And had, but you had to have that. You're right. You had to keep the other team from scoring 12, 13 runs a game. And they did such a great job. And being able to listen to some of their stories when they get together for the reunions, it's just like they will let you know to this day, hey, don't forget. Don't forget. They will, and they'll tease everybody about it, the rest of the teammates. Hey, you know, we, we, we kept you in these games. We, we, we deserve to be have the accolades that you get. Of course, Pete and Joe and Johnny, they don't want to hear any of that. <laughs> sure. They probably shouldn't. They're always talking about the offense. But, yeah, you're right. Pitching, pitching, pitching. That's what baseball is. And we had a formidable one in 75 and 76, no question. Because, right, I mean, you had Gary Nolan and Don Gullett, like most people know. But then there's also Fred Norman and Pat Darcy, Clay Kirby. Those guys, right. you, you know, I mean, while their their numbers, you know, as people love to look at the statistics and they're like, well, his ERA was blah, 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 and all this other stuff. Right. Still important to have those types of guys. And then you look at the bullpen. Right. The, the numbers coming out of the main four guys with – Eastwick, Borbone, Carroll, and McEnany, those guys, not one of them pitched less than 90 innings. That's phenomenal. It's unbelievable. And again, it's a credit to Sparky. I mean, Captain Hook was his nickname, but he was the the innovator. He was the Sam Weiss. If there was an innovator in football with Sam Weiss for Cincinnati, Spark Anderson was that for baseball. He, He was not afraid to go get you and to pull you out. But also, he knew his pitching staff. He knew who could go 780 innings. He knew Gallup, what he could do. He knew what Eastwick was going to do out of the pen. He knew, I mean, that's, that's, that's what he did. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, there was a quote about that where he said, uh, the hitters are going to hit, I've got the best best top-to-bottom lot since 27 Yankees. I'm going to worry about this pitching. I, that's my concentration. And, I mean, without that, without his focus on that and making the right moves and pulling the right strings, we would have been the Pittsburgh Pirates and nobody wants that no <laughs> nobody not at all and 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 so you mentioned Sparky and I know in previous installments of looking back on Reds awesomeness we we you know, we talked about Bill McKechnie probably being the greatest Reds manager of all time 
And you also mentioned that Sparky doesn't really get his due. Expound on that. I, Sparky is known as the commander of the Big Red Machine, and that right there put him in the Hall of Fame. And putting him in the Hall of Fame for that is fine. I totally understand that. But people don't really look at – they look at Pete Rose and Joe Morgan and what those great players did. And, of course, they associate, oh, the man was Sparky Anderson. He must have been great. He had to work hard. I mean, when he first was hired by the Reds, the headline said, Sparky who? <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> no, but can you imagine them hiring a person like that that nobody knew? I mean, while well, they've done it. You know, you know, I always say that when David Bell got the, you know, the reins, it was, it was well, he's, you know, Buddy's son. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's it. That's all they knew about him. It was kind of like, David Bell, really? But, I, I mean, I have total faith in him. I think he's going to be an excellent, excellent manager. I think he's, he's done everything he's supposed to do. But Spark Anderson, I mean, he is the guy that had to prove himself. And what does he do in 1970s? For sure, he goes to the World Series in a new ballpark where he had to, do, he had to change the way he based. Uh-oh. Across the field to, to Riverfront. Do you hear me? Yeah, sorry. I cut out there for a minute. Okay. All right. I got you back. I got you back. We're good. Riverfront Stadium, he go, Spark Anderson, Riverfront Stadium, he's got to d- devise a game plan based upon AstroTurf, and it changes everything. So p- people don't think of him as being the innovator that he is because they associate with, with just, oh, well, the commander of the big machine, all he had to do was write the lineup card, kick his feet back, and let him play. Right. He had to manage all of those egos, which nobody would ever be able to do today. It would not be possible all of that ego, and, and he had to somehow find the right temperament and how to be not only the game's X's and O's side of it, but also to be able to say, all right, Johnny, I know you're great. All right, Pete, I know you're great. All right, Joe, I know you're great. To maintain that over the course of two seasons to win, plus all the success he had going to the World Series in 70-72. So, I mean, he doesn't get the innovative you know, accolades like I believe he should. He really was one of the first to really use the bullpen to his advantage. Um, so, yeah, definitely Sparky, just uh, what a phenomenal human being he was and the perfect fit for that team. Anybody else, the success doesn't come. The perfect fit for that team. So that's going to wrap up talking about the Big Red Machine. On the next awesomeness, Red's awesomeness segment, we're going to look at wire to wire and what i believe marty said was his favorite team to cover the 1990 cincinnati reds you won't want to miss it that's going to do it for us today on the monday edition of the locked on reds podcast thank you so much for listening as i mentioned before if you have not subscribed go ahead and do that hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on also follow me on twitter at jeff Carr with three f's and follow the show at Locked On Reds and save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone and text it, call it, whenever you've got reactions, questions, whatever you've got, 513-549-0159. That's going to do it for us today. Tomorrow, join back in. Hopefully we'll have some good news for Nicholas Cassianos. I'll be all over that all on Monday. We'll see if we've got some good news for you for the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad 
free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.